so uh, hey, welcome to Faith. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, we are in week two of a series that we have entitled Life is Hard, It's Harder When We're Stupid. Now, if you weren't here last week and you're like, what in the world is that all about? Let me, let me try and explain. Um, we've got a picture of me when I first get up in the morning. My hair kind of looks like that. But uh, the idea behind this series is that life is hard enough all on its own. And then sometimes as human beings, we will do things, silly things, foolish things, sometimes just stupid things that make life even harder than it needs to be. So, married people, marriage is hard enough all on its own. Amen? Yeah. And then you're having a conflict with your spouse, and you say something, or you do something, and you make your marriage even harder than it needs to be. Anybody know somebody who's done that? (laughs) Not you, but you know somebody who's done that, right? Yeah. So the good news of this series is that God loves us, that God has taken time to speak into the very practical day-to-day areas of our lives to help us avoid this. And, And so in this series at church on Sundays and in our small groups, we are just taking time to look at the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom from God for our lives. That it is, it's wisdom designed to help us not only avoid making life harder than it already needs to be. But it is wisdom from God that is designed to help us be better at life and to have better lives. And so we kind of kicked things off last week. And then this week and each week to follow, we're taking a specific topic. An area in life that just as people, we tend to get tripped up in and make our lives harder than they need to be. And we're going, hey, what does Proverbs say about this area of our life? And what does Proverbs say about how to do well in this area of our life? And we've only got six more weeks to do this. And so we're going to cover as many topics as we can and hopefully get the relevant ones. But before you fill out that connection card telling us we missed the one that we should have talked about, you only got six weeks, okay? So you have my permission. If we don't hit your topic, You can dig into Proverbs all on your own and see what it has to say about that topic. But this week as we start, what we're going to talk about this week is the idea of anger. Because anger is one of those things that really easily it will make our life harder than it needs to be. We we see the fingerprints of anger all over our culture today. Whether it's road rage this morning I had somebody tell me, yeah, you know, my spouse had this incident where they were just like pulled out somebody in his red truck, cut them off, and I'm hollering and screaming and blowing the horn at them, and then they pulled into the parking lot, and I got home and said, what color is Mike's truck? <laughs> it was me. I, I didn't even know, right? You know, uh, you got road rage, you've got the out-of-control parent at the, their kid's game, right? And I just, I'm like, your kid is never going pro. It is not that serious, right? You've got... You've got people who will get into screaming matches over politics. You have abuse. You have divorce. You have shootings. You have riots. Anger doesn't just make our world harder than it needs to be. It has made it a really ugly place as of late. 
And so Proverbs, we're going to see today, as Proverbs speaks to us about this idea of anger and where it takes us and what it does and what we can do to get a hold of anger rather than anger having a hold of us. So let's take a minute and pray, invite God to be part of this, and then we'll jump in. Father, just thank you so much that you care not just about the big things, but you care about the day-to-day aspects of our lives. Father, thank you that you have tried to speak wisdom to us. Please help us to be open-minded to you and to your truth, to be honest with ourselves about what that truth looks like in relationship to us and to our lives. Father, thank you for good things. Thank you that we've got power in here today, that we're able to do church at church. Father, thank you for new life, for uh, Aaron and Nathan Knodel and the birth of their son, Matthew. Just pray that you would help them as they're trying to figure out what it means to be parents for the first time and how to do those new rhythms in their home. Please just bless us as we try and take time to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, we're going to spend some time looking at where anger can take us and what Proverbs has to say in response to that. As as we think about this today, we're going to start off with a video clip. It's from an older film. Uh, The the title of the film is Erin Brockovich, uh, which is kind of ironic because she's in the news this week if you've been paying attention to what's going on in Ohio. But in this clip, Erin is working for a law firm. She is not an attorney. And she has this conversation with her boss who's come in to tell her that he's bringing her a bonus check, but it's not going to be for the amount that they agreed upon. And so in the clip, you can see Aaron, it's subtle, but you can see her get angry and you can see her anger take her to different destinations. So watch the clip closely and see if you can pick up on the anger and where it's going to take her. Let's watch.
So it was subtle, but could you pick up on the anger? <laughs> so again, Erin gets angry, and her anger takes her to just, just classic destinations that anger will take all of us to. So we're just going to kind of walk through them one at a time here. So here's destination number one, dissension. Dissension. Aaron has this conversation with her boss. You can see it just build on her face and then come out in what she has to say where she, she gets angry and her anger takes her to this place where she's ready for a fight. Proverbs puts it this way. It says, an angry man stirs up dissension. Oftentimes, angry people are argumentative people. Angry people are quarrelsome people. Angry people, they're just contentious. We get angry that anger just goes off inside of us. And we, we find ourselves ready for a fight. You know, we, we watch that clip and, and you laugh, but you, you got to stop and you just kind of go, okay, like, have I been there? Have, have I been to this place where, where I've lived out some of what I just watched? Where, where anger goes off inside of me, it just detonates like some kind of bomb. And all of a sudden, the anger is determining the direction that I'm moving into my life, and I find this place, I find myself at this place of dissension, where whether it makes sense or not, I'm ready to pick a fight with somebody. An angry man stirs up dissension. Destination number one is dissension. Now, destination number two is closely tied together with destination number one. I think that's why Proverbs includes them both in the same verse. It says, an angry man stirs up dissension, but a hot-tempered one commits many sins. See, destination number two is sin. When, when we get angry, that bomb goes off inside of us. We'll get to this place where like, we get all wound up, we're ready to get into an argument, ready to get into a fight with somebody. And very rarely does getting into a fight with somebody de-escalate the situation. Usually it just winds things up further, and before we know it, we're doing something wrong to that person that we're in that argument with. Whether it's in what we think, what we say, what we actually do, we cross a line and we begin to sin. Now we saw this with Aaron. You know, she's having the conversation, the bomb goes off inside her, that thing detonates, she, she gets angry, she picks the fight, and then she, she begins to treat her boss in a way that she, it was just wrong. She accuses him of being untrustworthy, of taking advantage of her, of failing to see her value. She calls her boss a backstabbing, blood-sucking scumbag. Anybody ever call your boss that? James, yes, okay. So, um, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, Mike, he was an attorney, right? Maybe so, doesn't matter. Like, that's not how we treat each other. See, anger will take us to this place, and Aaron's place, in her situation, it took her place where she said things and she did things that were just wrong. And when we let anger take us to this destination, it becomes incredibly destructive. Relationally, emotionally, vocationally, spiritually. And you saw that happen. Like when Aaron starts going there with her boss, 
it had the potential to cost her her job. It had the potential to destroy the relationship between her and her boss. It had the potential to be emotionally wounding to him. It was not a good place emotionally for her to be. And spiritually, it's destructive. The idea that I'm going to treat somebody in a way that God has told me I shouldn't treat them, and then me and God, we're going to be good. It doesn't work like that. An angry person, an angry person stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. So destination number one is dissension. Destination number two is sin. And then destination number three, you can, you can probably predict where we're going because you can see this thing escalating, right? And there are different terms that we might use to describe this final destination. The one we'll use today is simply this. Destination number three is crazy. Like, we'll get angry. Something's going to happen. We get angry. We, we, we're, ready, we're ready to get in an argument to pick that fight. Things escalate. We start doing and saying things that are just wrong. Very rarely does that calm things down either. Instead, it escalates further. And all of a sudden, we are doing and saying things that in retrospect, we look back and we're like, this is just nuts. Now, Proverbs will describe it this way. It'll say, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. Proverbs is being gentle in its language here. You just get this place where you're like, what was I thinking? And again, we saw this happen to Aaron. She gets all wound up. She picks a fight she doesn't need to pick. And then before she knows it, she's like, she is mad at her boss and calling him names and getting, you know, I mean, you can see the, the co-workers looking in because they can hear it because she's shouting now. Why? Well, ultimately, because her boss saw her value as being more than she saw it being. Because her boss, in an effort to be fair to her, decided he was going to give her more money than what she had asked for. And when it finally dawns on her what's going on and what she has done, you can see it on her face. You know, I mean, just, just you know, mouth hanging open, and she realizes that was nuts. I just made my life and my job and my relationship with my employer all way harder than they need to be. But this is what anger will do. Like Proverbs will say, a patient man has great understanding. But a quick-tempered man displays his folly. Like when, when anger drives the bus, rational thought and rational behavior, they get left behind at the stop. And oftentimes in ways where everybody around us gets to see it. Now, let, let me share with you a real-life example of this from my life. Um, and let me just preface this, warn you, okay, this is not an example that I am proud of. It's actually one that I'm a little bit ashamed of. It's not an example I would encourage you to follow, all right? But and you're like, well, why would you share it? A couple of reasons. Number one, it illustrates the idea about what pastors are. You know what pastors are? They're people. 
Pastors are people, and we are every bit as capable of doing something stupid as anybody else in the room or anybody else watching on the live stream today. Illustrates that incredibly well. And it also illustrates all of these destinations that we've talked about and how quickly we can move through them. So, the summer passed, I was out for a run, and I was running west down, or I was running east down 11-mile road. I was on the north side of the street in between Halstead and Drake. And if you're familiar with that area, you know on the north side, there's no sidewalk. So I'm running in the street, right up against the curb. I'm wearing my bright orange Team World Vision jersey so that, you know, cars can see me, and, and you're like a human pumpkin in those things. And so I'm running down the street, and as cars are coming my way, they're spotting me. And well ahead of time, they kind of pull in a little bit more towards the center so that when we cross paths, that I'm not getting crowded up against the curb. So I'm, I'm doing my little thing. I'm running down the street, and I can see this pickup truck coming my way. And right about the time that all the other cars are going to pull over towards the center, the pickup truck just stays there. And like instantly, I'm thinking, this jerk is going to crowd me when he comes by. And I, I, like, I just feel the anger just go off inside of me. And right away, I'm at dissension. Like, I'm ready for an argument. I'm ready for a fight. And sure enough, as the car goes by, this guy crowds me right up. I, I could have easily touched the vehicle right up against the curb with his truck. And like that, I go to destination number two. I'm, I'm ready for sin. And so as the truck is going by, I look to my right and I just go, and I spit on his car. Now, again, I am not proud of this. I am not recommending this. It was wrong. But that's where I was at. I, and so I just let one go on his car. I keep running. I, now I'm just, you could have cooked an egg on my forehead kind of angry, right? And as I get about a quarter of a mile down the street, and I can sense there's a vehicle immediately behind me. Because this guy's turned around, and now he's right behind me, and he is driving eastbound in the westbound lane. And he pulls up next to me and stops his vehicle and rolls down his window, and he gives me the universal sign letting me know that he thought I was number one. And then he begins to holler and scream and cuss and fuss and tell me where I should be and how to get there and where to go. And, and all the while, like he, now we are parked in the eastbound lane. You know, we're, we're facing east. Everybody's trying to go west. They're, like traffic is backing up. And everybody in these cars, their eyes are getting bigger and bigger as they're watching this interaction take place. And in that moment, all I wanted to do was reach in that car, grab him by his ears, pull him out the window, and beat him seven ways till Sunday. Thank God. Something in my head went off and went, this is crazy. This is nuts. There's no win here. Like if, if you get this guy out of his car and you can't take him and he beats you seven ways till Sunday, you lose. You know, if you get him out of his car and you beat him up, you still lose. There's a whole pile of people watching. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket, you know. Like I can just see the, the, the caption of the video that goes viral. Farmington Hills pastor in Team World Vision swag. Beats man senseless in the streets, right? That's good. 
world vision loses, faith covenant church loses, I lose, the gospel loses. No, like nothing good is going to come of this. But this is what anger will do. It'll take us from this place where like it just goes off inside of us and we're ready to have a fight. We're ready to do things that are wrong. We do things that in retrospect, we look back and we're like, that was just nuts. What am I thinking? What am I doing? So Proverbs warns us. It's like, hey, don't let anger take you to these places. Now, fortunately, Proverbs doesn't just warn us about what anger will do, where it will take us. But Proverbs also seeks to give us tools. Tools that are meant to help us control anger rather than having anger control us. So let's look at some tools. Tool number one. Proverbs would have us try and understand what's behind the anger. See, when, when we get angry, there's a reason why we get angry. There's something behind that. Now, admittedly, there is many reasons why people get angry is there are people who get angry, right? But when we get angry, there's something driving that. Now, in Proverbs 24, the writer speaks about a couple of very classic reasons for why people get angry. They may or may not be behind why you get angry, but they serve as a great foundation to have this discussion about, like, what's behind the anger. In Proverbs 24, the writer says, do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. Do not say, I'll pay that man back for what he did. Now, two very common reasons behind why we get angry. One is there's, there's a, a perceived wrong. Maybe it's correct, maybe it isn't, but there's a perceived wrong of something that was said or done or thought towards us. And then number two, there's actual wounds that are inflicted on us or on our life in a number of different ways as a result of that wrong. So an event unfolds, somebody says something, they think something, they do something, we, we sense that we've been wrong, we, we are wounded by what's done, and then we get angry and we want to respond, and oftentimes those responses will take us to the very destinations that we've talked about. In this passage, the, the writer is indirectly pointing out to us, hey, there's a reason behind why you get angry. And the writer wants us to think about why it is that we get angry, because when we understand what is driving the anger, that will slow us down. It will oftentimes keep us from going to those destinations. For example, you know, again, oftentimes an event unfolds, I get angry. And then I respond. I don't think, I just do. And oftentimes when I'm angry and I respond, that response is a reflex. It's just a reaction. And when my response is reflexive or reactionary, more often than not, I'm going to do something silly, foolish, or downright stupid. However, if I can slow down when I sense that I'm angry, if before I respond, if I just slow down and I go, okay, let me take a step back. Why am I angry? The, the, the mere act of stopping and figuring out what's driving this emotion, it removes that reflexive or reactionary response. 
Now when I pick back up and I'm going to respond, it's thoughtful. Now, I can thoughtfully be vengeful and vindictive and all those kind of things, but it's not, a, a, it's not just, just the reaction. When I just react, I'm more likely to do something silly. When, I'm th- when I stop and I think, now I'm choosing what I'm going to do next. Or when I figure out what is behind the anger, it, it, brings, it brings the emotion down. It takes things from an emotional level to an intellectual level, and the emotions begin to lose power over me. Or when I take the time to figure out what is behind the anger, sometimes I discover, you know what, the problem isn't with the circumstances. It's not with how they've unfolded. It's not with the people I'm sharing them with. The problem's with me. For example, when our kids were young, we would sit down at the dinner table trying to have a meal, and it was not uncommon the first two minutes of the meal for one or both of our kids to ask for a dozen different things to help them out, you know, before they can eat. And I would find myself, as my kids are asking for help, getting more and more wound up as, you know, the next request and the next request and the next request comes. I can remember when I figured this out, and I would push the brakes, take a step back and go, okay, why am I getting wound up? More often than not, it wasn't because my children needed help. It was because I wanted to eat, and I wanted to eat now, and I was getting hangry, you know? My kid's genuine request for assistance was interfering with my desire to stuff food down my pie hole right this minute, you know? I was being selfish. I was being self-absorbed, and when I realized that, I would go from 60 to zero almost immediately. So tool number one, let's figure out what is behind the anger. What is driving this emotion? All right, tool number two, choose to respond counterintuitively. When somebody does something wrong to us, when somebody wounds us, it's a natural response when we get angry to go, you know what, I'm going I'm to have this argument, I'm going to do something back to them, I'm going to do this crazy thing over here. We can go there and we don't even have to think about it. You, you can put it on autopilot and hit all three of those destinations. Proverbs says, instead of doing what comes natural, do what comes unnaturally. Do something counterintuitive. Now, Proverbs gives us all kinds of examples of what that might look like. Here's one. Proverbs will say, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up angry. Anybody here have that gift when somebody says something cutting to you, like you can come back with something and just zing them right back? Anybody got that? Anybody doesn't have that gift and like 30 minutes later you think of the comeback and you're like, oh! right? Proverbs is like, hey, that person says that nasty thing. Don't say something nasty back. Don't stir the anger pot. Instead, be gentle. Be gentle in what you say back. Or Proverbs will say this to us. I'll say, better a patient man than a warrior. Better a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Proverbs like that, man, that person made you angry. I don't care if you can win the fight. Don't, don't go there. Instead, be patient. 
That person made you angry? Instead of tearing down the walls of their life and setting their world on fire, how about you try and control yourself instead of trying to control them with your anger? Or Proverbs will say this, and I, I, I love this one. Proverbs will say, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. In other words, they are clearly wrong. You are clearly right. And you're going to go, you know what? I'm just going to forget about it. I'm just going to let it go. Now, can we, can we just be honest and admit? Responses to anger like gentleness and patience and self-control, I'm not going to worry about it. Those don't come natural. That's counterintuitive. In fact, if I was going to summarize what Proverbs has said to us that we've looked at in passages that we haven't about how to respond to anger in a counterintuitive way, I'd summarize it like this. Proverbs is saying, hey, when that person makes you angry, respond with grace and mercy. That person makes you angry and you're ready to pick a fight. No, no, no. Pour grace out on them. Pour good things into their life that they don't deserve. That's what grace is. Goodness extended to someone that hasn't been earned, that is not deserved. Proverbs says, that person, they do something wrong to you. You ready to do something wrong back? No, 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 no. Show them mercy. Withhold retribution that they have coming. That's what mercy is. Proverbs says, hey, somebody does something, you are so angry, you're ready to do something crazy in response. No, don't do something crazy. Show them grace and mercy. And why in the world would we do that? Because that's exactly what our Father in heaven did for us. He, had every, he was truly in the right. We were truly in the wrong. And he showed us mercy. He withheld judgment. And he gave us goodness that we did not deserve, that we did not earn in Jesus. We show mercy and grace because I am hard-pressed to think of how I'm going to make my life more difficult than it needs to be, how I'm going to do something stupid that I regret by being gracious or merciful. The counterintuitive response will protect me. The natural response is going to make my world more complicated than it needs to be. All right, one more tool. And tool number three kind of comes to us in response to the objections that people have to tool number two. You say, hey, show them mercy and grace, and people are like, well, if I do that, they're never going to learn. They're just going to keep doing it. They're going to take advantage of me. Somebody's got to pay. Proverbs would say this. It'd say, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Instead, wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. 
Tool number three, let God be God. See, when I get angry, and motivated by that anger, I respond. And, and the motivation is to make you pay, to thump you, to teach you a lesson. Whether I realize it or not, whether I want to or not, whether I mean to or not, I am trying to play God in your life. Go ahead and look at your neighbor, look them deep in the eye, and with conviction say to them, you ain't God. That's good. You ain't. Here's the deal. Retribution, judgment, making somebody pay, thumping, that is God's job. It's not my job. It's not your job. And God, God is perfectly capable. He is competent to get his job done. Even if even if he's not doing it on our timetable or in the manner we want it to be done. He doesn't need our help. He can get it done. Our job is mercy and grace. His job is to execute judgment. Our job is to trust him. His job is to move and change people's hearts. We've got to let God be God instead of trying to play God in other people's lives for him. He doesn't need our help there. So, anger. It can, it can take our lives in all these places, but it doesn't have to. So as we wrap this up, we're just gonna, we're gonna put some questions up on the screen and we're gonna begin to think about them today. And I would encourage you throughout the week as you study Proverbs yourself, as you're meeting with your group, to just be thinking through these questions and trying to figure out where am I at with these. So here we go. Question number one. When I get angry, what destination does my anger take me to? When, 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 when that thing detonates inside of me, am I looking to pick a fight? Am I quick to do something wrong because something wrong was done to me? Or do I do it right and I go to the just, just crazyville? I'm going to do this thing that in retrospect, I'm like, that was nuts. Where does my anger take me? Number two, how are these destinations impacting me and my life and my relationships? See, when we lose control of our anger, it doesn't stay here. It overflows the banks of our lives and it spills into the lives of those around us. It impacts us as individuals. It has, has a horizontal impact as it impacts the relationships that we have with others. And it has a vertical impact as it impacts our relationship with God. When you lose control of anger, when you go to one of these destinations, how's it impacting me, my life, and my relationships? And then finally, number three, which of the tools that we discussed today do I need to grab hold of? Do I need to figure out what's behind the anger, what's driving this thing? Do I, do, do I need to, to, to figure out, like, hey, th this is the counterintuitive response that I have got to start living into? Do I need to figure out, hey, I've been trying to play God 
and I just, I need to let God be God. Anger can take us to any one of these destinations or others that we didn't have time to discuss, but it doesn't have to. There is wisdom from God that will help us get control of our anger rather than our anger controlling us. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have spoken wisdom to our lives in very practical ways. Father, for some of us today, if, if we're honest, it's just a struggle for us. It's a place where our emotions naturally go when we think we've been wrong, when we've legitimately been wronged, when we feel the wounds of that wrong. Father, help us please not to be people who are quick to go to dissension or sin or just crazy. Help us to be people who figure out what is driving this and who slow down and respond intentionally, intelligently. Help us to be people who are going to try and imitate our Father in heaven and how we respond. Help us just to let you be God and to trust that you're going to take care of this in the right way. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.